This is NRL Boom Rookies. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of NRL Boom Rookies. Alongside me, as always, at this point, what is there left to say? It's Mitch Doyle. I'm still here though. God damn it, I'm still here. <laughs> and uh, your team scored more than the Broncos this week. Dal Roots. Yay! Little victories, now, right? Yeah, well, fellas, I mean, last week at the start of the show, I pointed out that our teams lost by a combined score of 80 to 18. And we said, well, at least things can't get any worse for us. Um, that was, in fact, not the case. Uh, this week, our teams lost by a combined total of 103 to 10. So, Look, uh, again, if you've got to set the sights high and disappoint yourself as much as possible. Like, the Broncos are more than half. Like, our three teams combined since Woody started up again have just got... Polax six times. It's it's not good. What well, if can... footy being back was never the right answer? What Maybe. if footy should go should... away again? I think we should just null and void the season. Um, I don't know. It's just it's been quite a brutal couple of weeks for us. At least we did have a couple of slightly better games this round. Not as many blowouts. A couple of mildly entertaining games. One on Saturday and one on Sunday, um, which we'll get to. Um, but yeah. Um. So we'll have another two podcasts doing this again remotely this week. Hopefully we'll be back in the studio all together next week. That is the plan at this stage. We're hoping. Um, but yeah, so well, we've got some news to jump into before we uh, have a look back at last weekend's game. So without further ado, let's get into the news. Simi Renrandra trying the chip and chase. Oh, this will be interesting. Oh, yes, it will, yes. Semi-run-run-run. Oh, he's absolutely buried it. Uh, so, despite um, the, the basically the expectation by a lot of people that um, Paul McGregor would no longer be the coach of the St. George Illawarra Dragons uh, by Tuesday afternoon, Dale Roots, it's now Tuesday evening and Paul uh, McGregor is still the coach of the St. George Illawarra Dragons. Yeah. Um, somehow that is still a thing. Like, you know, we can explain quantum physics and we can split the atom, but unfortunately we can't explain why Paul McGregor is still employed. Uh, some things are simpler than others. And I wish that neither of those things were the case. But, um, my explanation uh, um, is that scene in The Simpsons when he's doing the finger thing, and the finger thing means the taxes, and that is <laughs> that, that is that is the primary reason why I believe he is still currently the head coach of the Simpsons yeah. Dragons. Um, look, if if it costs us too much to pay to get rid of him, is the answer then like just fucking shoot the whole thing into the sun? What what they should do is dig a big hole through like the eastern hill at Wollongong and just fill the whole ground with water. Just fill them all with water, just get rid of it all, flood the place. It's cooked and there's, yeah, just I don't understand. He's got the full backing of the board, so he should be sacked in three weeks. So start your timers now, start your engines, and hopefully he's not there in three weeks. But we thought that he wouldn't be there this week. 
Well, so just to recap, anyone who did miss today's um, proceedings, um, Dragons directors had a video conference on Tuesday morning, an emergency board meeting to discuss the future of their coach, who is in his sixth season as the Dragons coach and whose contract currently runs until 2021 on a deal which is believed to be worth around $750,000 a season and would have received close to a $1 million payout if the club did decide uh, to end his tenure early. Uh, Dragons chairman Andrew Gordon saying, although the board acknowledges the club's performances so far throughout 2020 have been unacceptable, we will continue to support Paul, his staff, and the team through these tough times. We are committed to Paul as coach of the St. George of Laura Dragons and look forward to seeing him right the wrongs of the opening month of the current campaign. Like, but but my point is, like, the, the tough times are your fault. <laughs> like, the team is just not very good. Mm. It's not that, like, coronavirus has made them magically shit. It's that the team has been playing below par for, like, 18 months. What did we think was going to happen? You, cut chopping and changing like you're, you know, you're, you're a jazz musician, mate. You can't freestyle a team like that. Um, and I just don't understand, like, what the board think is going to change. It's it's the same problem week in week out. They're 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 just completely uninspired, and they lack any form of leadership on the field. And then Mary stands up there looking like a bloody stunned mullet. Like you think that's going to help? It's just ridiculous. Yeah, they made the finals twice in his tenure. By the way, like we exactly what I was about to say. Their best finish on the ladder is seventh, and they've won one finals game in six years. Yeah, they weren't setting the world on fire under Steve Price for the three years before that. But still, I mean. Apart, unless you're the Knights, that shouldn't be good enough. No, <laughs> I like how it's the good enough for the Knights, so I like yeah, that. <laughs> I mean, they're, like, they're historically one of the biggest teams in the comp. They have, you know, they've got plenty of, obviously, plenty of juniors to draw from. Like, they've, they're, they're, at this point, the, the argument could be made that the Dragons are just like a worse Penrith. Like, they're continually bringing through good and well, relatively good enough juniors, and they're just, overspending on players who underperform and then ship those juniors off and just keep recycling through like mid-tier players. And, you know, obviously not all of the recruitment is Mary's fault, but a a good portion of it probably is. Um, And as for the on-field product, um, I think it was George Clark tweeted during the Bulldogs game this week, if they were playing for free in my back garden, I'd close the windows, close the curtains. Like they're just absolutely insipid to watch. I would probably <laughs> so like like I I I would more enjoy watching the news at this point and you know things are pretty shit in the world and and that's a that's a real indictment on the way that they play it's, footy at this point. It's and you mentioned them being a traditional powerhouse. I think it it might shock a lot of people just how bad they've been in, in since since Wayne Bennett left. So between their inception in 1999 and Wayne's final year at the club in 2011 they had three losing seasons in that in that thirteen year period, so that's obviously a pretty impressive one. They they finished minor premiers twice. They won a grand final. They went to another grand final. They were, uh, as you said, a fixture in, in the later rounds of the finals every single year. Since then, they've had one winning season, and in that was that was in twenty eighteen when they finished seventh. So that's that's not great. So they've never finished in the top four. One winning season in the last decade or so. It, I don't know what has to change there, but it's been it's been very very stagnant there for quite a long time now. Yeah, I mean, it's since round seven last year they've won four fixtures, and as you mentioned, it's been stagnant for a long time. I saw the figure going around today that um they haven't scored a try in 177 minutes 
of, of active rugby league, but I just want to note that it's been 81 days since they scored a try, okay? It's been 1,100, was it 1,000, <laughs> 100,000, God damn it, I screwed it. Whatever, we're just rolling with it. It's been 6, 7 million seconds, pretty much, since they haven't scored a try. I do Great enjoy, with numbers, me. I do enjoy COVID basically creating all these absurd records that will never be broken. Yeah. Like teams it's not scoring a try for three months and stuff. It's fantastic. It's, it's been 22% of the year they haven't scored a try for. <laughs> <laughs> But, but some of the things you touched on there, though, and I know getting rid of Mary will solve some of the problems there. It will solve a lot of the on-field product problems because in the end, the, co- the coach's responsibility is on the field and results is his responsibility. But it won't solve a lot of the recruitment and retention issues that clubs had getting rid of him. And I know other fans have touched on that. And there's other guys at the club responsible for that. Like Ian Willwood's job is to do that. And you know, you got to look at things like that Corey Norman signing that just seems to escape criticism. And then if you hate the Ben Hunt signing, well, look at the guy who signed the contract. And the James Graham signing, as much as we all like James Graham and respect, you know, his his um his passion for the game, it's been a disastrous signing. The four, they've got one good year out of him. And, like, there's a whole bunch of signings there that have been pretty average. And then we all know about the players that leave that club. And Ruben Garrick was the, the, the most recent example last year, but... Then you have things like retaining Zach Lomax on fullback money and never playing him there. Like, It's a whole basket case on and off the field. And, and this club will never have the success it should have, much like my club in Brisbane, until off the field it is fixed just like the, like, you know, the back room, just like the front room. It can't just be Mary's fault. There's more guys there that deserve it. And that board who met today are part of that problem. And they can blame Mary all they want. And they will blame Mary when they sack him in four weeks' time. But they are just as culpable for this as, as he is. Yeah, yeah. And, um, as as you were saying, like numbers wise, the the Dragons haven't beaten a team other than the Gold Coast since July last year. Hmm. Like that's that's appalling. And the Gold the Titans last year were far and away the worst the worst team. Like they were Reggie's quality. And at this point, the the Dragons are as well. Like they're paying. Are two blokes like more than two mil- well two million dollars a year between two or three guys to just put up absolutely shit house rugby league um and I like as you say the the, the buck doesn't stop with Mary it'd go a lot of the way to to I think appeasing some fans but it's not necessarily fans that need to be like appeased like We've said this a thousand times. Like, I would probably at this point rather watch my team play like the Bulldogs and grind out wins than just be in constant turmoil like the Saints are at this point. And again, I think that Saki Mary will kind of put a few of those, you know, rabid dogs away, and some people will stop barking for a little bit. But really, there's there's got to be a few more questions asked when it goes a little bit further up the chain. I hate I hate the term like it rots from the head, but yeah. I mean, it rots from the boardroom at this point. It, uh, and the the staggering thing is, like, as, as you guys have said, like, it's not all Paul McGregor's fault, but like, it was abundantly clear to most people over the first three or four years of his tenure that he wasn't in any way one of the top coaches in the league. I mean, I'm not going to talk about him. I, obviously, I don't know the guy, but it was apparent from their on-field performances that he clearly wasn't a long-term answer to their to what they were doing, and instead. This this board turned around after was it five games last year, and and gave him a contract extension until the end of next season with like basically no wiggle room to get out of said contract without paying him a million dollars. I mean, and they've barely won since. I mean, it, it's baffling to me. Like, the, so the, 
am I right? They re-signed him after they smashed the Bulldogs at the start in like April last year, right? They were three and two at the time, including two wins by one point, and that was enough mm. for them to give him another two-year deal. It's yeah. crazy. And he's had a hundred and four, as you said, mate. He's had hundred fifty odd games now, and to to get that many games and have a losing record is a very privileged spot to be in. So I won't feel for him when he gets punted in that regard too. And I know he said there's other thing, other factors at play there, but that's a long tenure for a guy who who hasn't really had much success and has only seemed to have it. His team only ever looks good in the first five or six weeks, and they haven't this year. But even the really good year they had a couple of the years ago when they beat the Broncos forty eight eighteen in the finals. That was a team that hit a, a, a rock hard wall mid season as well. I mean, you'd. I mean, would there be a coach who stayed at one club for this many seasons and never finished in the top four? Scratch that. Never, prob- never finished yeah. in the top six, for that matter. So, probably I, can't imagine, I can't imagine in a club giving a coach six to seven seasons and never seeing their team host a finals game. And I mean, even even when you go kind of beyond that, like. He when when Mary was first brought in, it was ten. <clears throat> excuse me, it was ten rounds into uh, season twenty fourteen. Yeah. So at that point, I believe the Dragons were one, two, three, four. They were four and six at that point. They went on to finish the season. So they went from four and six. They went on to finish the season at eleven and thirteen. Yeah. So they basically had the same record at <laughs> the end of that season. Came eleventh. Had a negative differential of fifty nine with, so yeah, eleven and thirteen. They were both they missed the finals. Uh, below them were some pretty shit insipid football teams, including one really bad Canberra Canberra year. But like as 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 you say, you kind of bring somebody in and you expect to be like to have that new coach bounce uh, immediately after they brought him in. Obviously, they had a bye first week. They lost to Souths twenty nine to ten. They beat Cronulla, who came second last that year. They beat the Gold Coast, North Queensland, Wests, Canberra and the Gold Coast uh, and Melbourne as well. But like they beat all the teams below them and they got absolutely caned by anybody above them at that point. Yeah. I mean, that's usually, as I said, there's that kind of like new coach bounce and just nothing changed. The results were exactly the same. I mean, that that win against Melbourne is really the only high point. I mean, as you said, when he, when he took over, they were 13th and they finished 11th. Great. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, they made the finals the next year in an effective look. They made an an even season, so they were twelve and twelve with the points. If they went through on points differential, yeah. and then season after that, they missed the finals again. I'm fairly sure uh, they came eleventh in that season in that season as well in 2016. So, like, there has been a consistent pattern of failure in this team, and that failure has continually been rewarded. And effectively, what the club has done is that the dog has chewed up the carpet and chewed up the lounge, and they have just bought another puppy. And kept giving the dog treats. Like, yeah. I don't understand why you why you would not seek to fix the problems that are there, if not get rid of the dog that is in charge. Because clearly, at this point, like they've made like I, I love I love James Graham a bit. He's a seems like a top guy, and he gives a hundred percent every week. But like, he is just not up to it at this point. And as you said, like Corey Norman is a te- was just. I don't understand what's going on. We talked about how poorly he would probably fit into this team. The Zach Lomax thing, I think he's a really good prospect going forward. But hes they've paid him fullback money and they're playing him in the centres. Jai Field, they let go. Like, there's so many players who could be playing in first grade or who should, who either could be playing in first grade or who shouldn't be playing in first grade, and they have been completely swapped. Yeah. The crazy thing to me is that 
like given the way that McGregor's contract was structured, I actually don't think it's the worst idea to keep him on because like, yeah. they're, they're not going anywhere this year. Like, no. I mean, uh, you know, short of Trent Robinson showing up tomorrow, I don't think any anyone's turning this rabble around and getting them into the finals, particularly when it's a shortened season. So uh, given that they would have to pay such an extortionate amount of money to get rid of him, I actually don't think it's the worst way to keep him around. But the problem is that contract is till the end of 2021. So what you yeah. do next year is incredibly important. And I imagine that relieving him of his duties before the end of next year would cost them a considerable amount of money anyway. So they've really, really just left themselves between a rock and a hard place here. And, they've, and their board's got no one to blame but themselves. No, 100%. And like they've got... Uh... They've got a significant number of players off contract at the end of the year. Uh, Graham is one of them. Tim Laffey, Isaac Luke, Mick Ravaloa, Tristan Saylor. They've got like a, a bunch of players off contract at the end of the season. Now, I'm not saying that all of those players are first grade quality. I think that some of them are, but obviously some of them aren't going to be. But the, the club is just, it, it, it really is. It is. It's a rabble and it's, like worrying. There's there's some players that are contracted through to the end of 2021 and 2022. Dufty, Clune, uh, Blake Dufty's Laurie, Zach Lomax. Yeah, it's, you know, like what? Like what do you do? There's there's just so many players off contract. There's only so much talent in the league. Yeah, it. it I I don't know the answer, and that's I think the frustrating thing. But like, I'm not sure there is one. I yeah, just, I don't I, know I'm if there is sure either. That there's... Really, a viable short-term solution. I think, unfortunately, they've uh, the, that um, people of the people who are red v inclined have got at least another year of eating shit before things get better. Yeah, I think well, that's a pretty easy way to put it. To be honest, Unfor- unfortunately, one of the positives of that many players off contract, though, is I know, as you said, sacking Mary to m- next week's not going to fix the short-term problems. This team isn't making the finals this year. Yeah, and um. And if anything, sacking him next week, he'll get a Dean Pay short-term stint. And but I think they're obviously trying to get Shane Flanagan as the long-term coach. And outside of his, you know, questionable character and decisions, he is a good first-grade coach. I've had I've had Dragons fans damning me, panicking this week about like he's a shit coach. It's like no, he has a good record with a club that when he took over there was in a really bad spot. He is a good coach and would be a good appointment, you know, obviously beside the cheating, but I'd take him at Brisbane <laughs> in about three seconds. Yeah, beside yeah, the you, cheating. I do like the caveat though. But I mean, you know, if he cheat and you don't get caught, that's great. If we get a premiership from cheating, we kept to keep it, I'll do it. But, you know, the, um, the, the tough thing is some of these off contracts, you know, as you said, there's James Graham. That's probably a good one to lose, but they've lost Frizzell and I actually think that's not the worst loss. But Jack DeBellin's, you know, sense still hangs around the place, so who knows what happens there. Jackson Ford, you know, got to make a decision if he's one of the, the edge forwards going going forward. But there's a bit they can drop. But I think Tristan Sales one they have to lock up pretty soon, and, and I'm kind of concerned with how things are going this year. Is that, that might want to be a guy who'll stay around. He needs an opportunity. You know, he's not really getting a shot yet. And you think Mary's got to start putting, you know, if he had the future, long-term future in mind, which he doesn't, he has the short-term save my job in mind. Yeah. You've got to start actually blooding some of these young fellows and sticking with them, not doing what he's doing, which is changing the team every week and hoping something works. Yeah. And I mean, the thing, like the DeBellin thing, for example, like obviously the club wouldn't have known what was going to happen with his trial going forward when they would have signed him when they when they did. But I mean, it is it is interesting to consider that if they obviously 
didn't have him on such a long-term contract when all of the kind of judicial stuff went down, whether they would be in a better position. Because obviously, like, the bloke's on a little bit of money. He's just training with the Reggies and beating the first team per the story last week. But, like, that's another player that they could have in the mix, whereas now he can only train and he's taking up the potential position of another player. Now, obviously, I'm not saying that the guy should be let go because, obviously, he's got a contract with the club. Um, and I wish that more players would honour their contract and thus club, clubs yeah. have to as well. Um, but it, it is a kind of weird, you know, sliding doors moment where if he's at, if he's off contract at the end of next season and they bring someone else in, do they have any difference in results? Obviously, I'm, you're not going to ever be able to know the answer to that question, but um, yeah. it is an interesting hypothetical. But yeah, as I said, um, it's it's it sucks. Like, dad, <laughs> dad messaged me this week and was just like, um, I, I messaged him and said I, w- I was doing a little bit of research for the podcast, and I, he was he was concerned for my well being. So it's uh, that's about how well going it's going being a Dragons fan at the moment. Um, I wouldn't recommend it. Um, zero out of ten. Yeah, I mean, and uh, Bunga, the question you asked, I haven't got the definitive answer. But he asked if any coach had missed the finals two years in a row and kept their job. There probably is some, but no, I said you know, I said six years, is- six years in a row. Sorry, six years in a row, but yeah. So I said, no, Sorry, the question bad. was, has yeah. anyone stayed at one club for six so, years and yeah. never hosted a final? Because I can't imagine Sorry, that. Any... I couldn't find any. Sorry, flicking around. And, and we've right. also found coaches in that period that, you know, have been doing that and lost their jobs. You know, guys like Anthony Griffin, for example. Like, yeah. You know, you set a really, you've set a really low benchmark for him there. I've had six know, years right? and host one final. Well, Tim, and he hasn't Tim, hit that benchmark. Tim Sheens might have had like a six-year gap in there somewhere, but he also won a comp, so it's fine. Hmm. Actually, you no, know, it wouldn't have been because 2005 to 2010, that's only five seasons, right? Six, seven, eight, yeah. nine. But 10, he was running yeah. with that competition winning cachet, like exactly, Paul Gray exactly. is right now. Yeah, Paul McGregor is running with the peak of like, well, we had that one finals win. It's bizarre. I um, It's it's weird. I don't know what they can do. Like, they've got to get, yeah. I mean, but you remember, you mentioned Tristan Saylor. You remember the whole Dufty thing. I mean, and say what you will about how his career's turned out so far. Dragons fans were clamoring for that guy to get a chance for ages in 2017 before he actually, and, and late 2016 as well, I believe, before he actually got a chance. So yeah. this this aversion to youth has always been a thing. And whilst that's sometimes a good idea, especially right now when you're going nowhere, just play the kids. Yeah. As I said, it is it is a weird, um, like like the, the anti-Penrith, for want of a word. Like they're, they're constant, like Penrith were always constantly three or five years out trying to pick the next best thing to come through and be, you know, the wonder kid. But, like, the, the Dragons have these amazing players playing in, you know, Reggie's and youth, and they're just not willing to play them. And then when they do, they throw them in for five minutes at the end of a losing game and go, oh, well, you know, you got to run. Yeah. Well, the um, the Dragons' average age is almost 28, by the way, and that's a team with that experience, and, and it should not be fucking zero and four. But uh, yeah. we should probably move on. From this one, I reckon we've uh, we spent enough time on old Mary. Please, please do, please do. It's, I don't even think we're being unnecessary. Like, I, I don't no. think it's all his fault. I really don't. Like, oh, no. it's just a, there's a lot of factors at play at that club at the moment, which, which are contributing. And you know, as, as Dale said about ten minutes ago, I mean, it, it rots from the top, and there's just been a, a plethora of bad decisions made, and now here they are. So. He's just one of the changes that has to happen. He wanted many. Yeah. They've got a new CEO in March. Uh, Ryan Webb, I don't know much about. That's at least one change, but we'll see what goes from, with the rest of it from there. Where, where's the guy with the oust doust sign? I want to hear from him. <laughs> <laughs> Why isn't there an oust doust link cut out? That's the real question. That's a, that is a fair point. He was on TV again this week. Oh, Shout out, Link. 
I want to throw up one contender, sorry, for the next coach. I want to throw up Sean Wayne from um, the current England coach but the former Wigan coach. I want to throw him up for an NRL co- head coaching gig. If you want to ask who, who's next, Dimitri's already locked up. He was my, my prior popular pick. And then you get Sean over, mate. He's got like six or seven contracts to sign. Bring half of England across. It works now. Just do it. <laughs> um, how, is, how is Wayne spelt? Because can't trust a guy with two first names. But if his last name's W-A-N-E, it's fine. W-A-N-E is fine. Oh, he's fine. And, and Wayne's fine, and the Dragons get along just perfect. Yep. Yeah, uh, that is true. Yep, get him in. Also, Wigan, uh, you know, red and white. You know, we can make it happen. <laughs> yep. Um, happier news. So the NRLW was in danger of being axed this year if clubs are forced to pay the usual costs. But an announcement made tonight said that um, a uh, funding plan will be uh, unveiled to help save the WNRL for 2020. Um, yeah, good news. Yeah, is that um, the Warriors staying in as well? I believe they're trying to keep the Warriors in that, aren't they? Yes. Um, it was it's said good. that the Warriors, namely the Warriors and the Roosters, could not afford the roughly $500,000 costs um, due to the financial impact of COVID nineteen, yeah, I mean, how can it, how can the Roosters not afford to pay, pay their NRL play, NRLW players? Just I don't know, give them some TPAs, give you know golf golf yeah. courses and shit. I don't know. Uh, as as you as you guys obviously know, we, everyone wanted to be expanded this year, and it's unfortunate that can't happen. But it's good that it'll still be on, and obviously it's good as a Broncos fan to see us win something again. Yeah, I was <laughs> that was going to be my next my next point is it's nice to see the Broncos win. Uh, that would truly yeah. be the last straw, wouldn't it? If the if the Broncos somehow didn't win the NRLW, Ridiculous. yeah, oh, can't even imagine that. <laughs> um, but yeah, a, a bit of, a bit of good news after twenty five minutes of misery. Um, so we'll we'll touch on this briefly, but we will probably do a full podcast on this in the future. Um, and the Western Corridor bid for an NRL license, Mitchell. Yeah, so the Western Corridor, if you don't know in Brisbane, you know, spans from Ipswich to Woomba down through uh, Logan area. You know, it's more of a Queensland country area on the, you know, the west of Brisbane. But the, the bid that's been launched, yeah, this is the bid I'm probably putting my uh, hat in their ring. They're, um, they're, they've put a bid out of, the, uh, sorry, out of the Western Corridor and they're looking to make the team an Indigenous named team. So representatives from the local tribes will uh, help decide team names. And, they, you know, even in the, uh, the chairman of the Jets said, you know, we're a black area and we're proud of that. And we're determined from day one that we're the first club in Australia to honour the contributions of Indigenous Aussies to our game as part of the reconciliation. And I think already, like, we're going to cover this. We're going to do a Brisbane expansion podcast once we're back in the studio. But uh, this is the one that, to me, has the, the best identity, this bid, the, the best future in the, in the biggest growth area in, in terms of junior rugby league in, in Queensland and in the growth area off the field as well. And I couldn't be more stoked that they're going to make it an Indigenous and an Aboriginal element team, as, as, as they said. Yeah, and as the point that you made about like growth is we we were all talking about this off mic earlier today, and it's it's similar to me to looking at like the Macarthur A League bid. Like you've kind of got a fish where the fish are going to be. Like that area, Logan, but between Western Brisbane and Toowoomba, effectively. Like I know it's a massive area, but also North Queensland is a massive area, and people identify as North Queenslanders. Like there's always that talk about North Queensland separating as a state. Now, if those people in Western Brisbane where, whether it's kind of Ipswich and Arla, Logan, out west to Toowoomba, there's going to be a massive amount of growth out there in the next kind of decade to 15 years. It won't surprise me if there's, you know, 250,000, 500,000 people that are going to move out there coming going forward. If, if you have a, a bid that is 
backed by local business and obviously appeals to the local both Indigenous and non-Indigenous populations, then it to me it is just an absolute no-brainer. We, we, as I said, we were talking about this off mic. You kind of look at the maps, you look at the way that things are going with Brisbane expanding um, geographically and, and that being a high-growth area. If you put two and two together, it's really easy to see how this makes four. Um, and the good thing, that the point that you make about Ipswich being proud that this is a, a, a you know, has a large Indigenous population, that's fantastic. And the, the, the more um, Indigenous representation that we have in the game, the better. And obviously it's something that we've talked about on this podcast, the fact that Indigenous people, whether they be, you know, Koori or Murray, New South Wales or Queensland, they identify themselves with a lot of them with the Maroons. And if you can have a Queensland-based team that views themselves as an Indigenous, like views themselves through an Indigenous lens and is proud of their Indigenous heritage and their Indigenous future, then that's only going to be good for the game. Like it's it just it is just to me such an easy win. Now, obviously, I'm not running the comp because things would be very different, and I would be on a lot more money. Um, but as I said, in my opinion, and probably in the opinion of the people that are, you know run this great show it's it's an easy win it just makes it makes sense that's it man we'll cover that more next week but it's just the, it's the first bit out of those ones in queensland that covers new territory with also the potential to be a large rugby league club like the yeah. other ones just don't cover new territory but we'll save the rest of that chat for when we do hopefully spend about an hour or two on it who knows how long we'll be back in the studio hopefully next sunday yep any other news you guys want to talk about before we move on to the game recaps no, no. Good, that's right. Footy is footy is terrible. Yeah, it is. Um, well, uh, I mean, I'm sure you can listen to Broncos <laughs> Weekly if you want an hour of this. But uh, <laughs> Brisbane zero, Sydney Roosters fifty nine. Very nice for you to cross promote to the uh, to the yeah, look, Brisbane Brisbane podcast. Very good of you. Well, well, that's it. I don't want to turn this into an hour of complaints, and you know, I've got I've got that for Broncos Weekly ready. I've got a Doyle dossier down. And it's, you know, it's, it's, as I've been going on about this club for the last couple of years, it, it is, it's far more than Seabold, although he's part of the problem. This, it's a cold club's part of the, part of this problem. And the team will bounce back in a couple of weeks and, and win football games again when they have cattle back. But it's just the, the way this team turned up to lose, how they had, how Seabold had his excuses ready before they, before they went into this game. Absolutely goddamn pathetic. And it's just an embarrassment to what this club is. And there's a reason why. These are record losses, this one and the one five weeks ago. Because this shit doesn't happen to the Brisbane Broncos. It's the first time they ever scored zero at Suncorp. Like that's it's just it doesn't happen to this team and it should never happen to them with the leg ups they have. And it's pathetic that it did, and it's pathetic that with it even when the first five minutes it was a team that did not play with a single bit of fire. And that fully to me falls on the coach in that regard that that team was not ready to go out there and step up. They went out there with excuses to lose and they took them. And he, well he gave them those excuses too. Would Ben Teo have made 60 points difference? No, but I'm glad he's coming in. But I've mentioned a few of my numbers here uh, for, for old Seeds. I'm saving again. Broncos Weekly, tomorrow night we're recording. <laughs> there'll be Paul White attacks. There'll be Peter Nolan attacks. There'll be Isaac Moses attacks. Anthony Seabold attacks. Attacks for all young and old. Everyone's under attack. But uh, some of my Seabold ones here. Tune in for your life, please. That's it. That's it. If you if you want to get a lawsuit out against me, it's time to take notes. <laughs> Tomorrow night. Please. Anyway, a lot of the focus has been on his, on his terrible defence, but um, let's not forget when we and even we we gave this guy credit. You know, when when the Broncos signed Anthony Seabold, he was supposed to be the attacking genius at South. You know, and it's 
as things have unfolded, I've obviously realised my boy David Ferner, who's at the Knights now too, was the was the attacking genius there. But so far, he's the only Broncos coach to never score forty points. He's the only Broncos coach to only score over thirty once in a season. And the worst, other than that, I think was four times the, the lowest time Matt we scored thirty in a season. Uh, Fifty six points through four rounds, the least points by Broncos side since ninety nine. And uh, third least overall in the first four rounds. 132 points conceded is the most ever conceded in four rounds. It's obviously our worst points differential in the club history. But the more damning thing is over his whole tenure now, the Broncos averaged 16.8 points scored in the game. And that's by far the worst of any Broncos coach. I mean, even under Anthony Griffin, we averaged 20.6 points a game. And he averages 23.4 conceded, which is also the worst of a Bronco, any Broncos coach, with an average margin of every game negative 6.6. Our average margin has swung 13 points since we since we punted Wayne. We're winning games by seven on average then. We're losing games by six and a half now. Brilliant. Good club. So proud. I'm, I'm of- glad that I'm glad that you're sticking with them. You know, there it, there's need for constant in your life. And I'm, I'm yeah. glad that it's there. I just looked at the like the heat map for the Broncos play the ball. Um, it's not really good when the only red area is like the 30 meter line in your own half. Uh, yeah, so that's not good. And uh, yeah, as oh, you but, said, gone. Oh, I was going to say, but Matt Lodge put a couple of big hits on Lindsay Collins off the eighth <laughs> and twelfth kickoffs. I think so. That's good. Ah, it, yeah. it amazed me that the Broncos only only kicked thirteen times in this game. I know that they only completed twenty sets, but I did look at the like I, I had a quick squeeze, and and it amazed me that they only went to like that they only had the opportunity to kick thirteen times. It, it they kicked was... about forty-seven tires, though, mate. That was what was good. You do make a good point. <laughs> I did. A... I did predict on the podcast. I did pick forty-seven nil. If you remember, I got the disrespectful field goal right as well. I was just twelve yeah. points off. I gave the, dis- too much the disrespectful field goal. I really like. I know that it was the end of the first half, but that to me really was uh, that was the icing on the cake. Like I think at that point, the the Broncos were kind of like, ah, oh, well. That's done. That's done. Well, yeah. And in terms of the Roosters, a bit of credit there is. Um, it is funny how we think the rule changes are going to slow them down. They just play again. They can play fast football and fast structure like they did in this game. It was no ad lib footy by the Roosters in this game, but I'm really impressed with Lindsay Collins, who I thought was a reserve grade battler, who just happened to be in first grade last year. Been really good this season. Yeah. Angus Crichton's finally stepping up there, and he's had a pretty good year. Looks like uh, Mitch Orbison might spend his, his year in the reserves, not even in the 17 at this point. Yeah, they they were like I know that obviously the Broncos weren't fantastic, but like that if if you kind of take the the Broncos' poor performance away from it, and we obviously we've already touched on that, but like they were just they were just really good. Like the Roosters yeah. were just flawless. They were great. Um, yeah. Just, they're so much better than everyone else for me. Yeah, good. Think very good at footy. I mean, as you say, they're, 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 they're going to win the better than game. everyone else. Yeah, it's so it's fucking sucks. frustrating. Yeah, and uh, oh. yeah, obviously the wolves are out for them now, but the wolves are generally all on the money right now. I mean, you know, when Paul Kent's dancing on you, Ben Iken, Gordon Tallis, everyone's lining up and everyone's right. So you know, I mean, it's just that easy. You know, even journalists like Ben Iken not really one to go on the attack. That's how easy it's been right now. Mm. Wow. It's all right. Darius Boyd's playing next week, though, boys. It's going to be great still. Oh, man. Um, old Moses Sully is going to have an absolute field day this week. Yeah. <sighs> Thank you, field days. 
Yeah, uh, nice, nice walk in the park for Penrith. Uh, they won, uh, keeping the Warriors scoreless, uh, twenty six nil. No, no, no. Um, I, I two ga- It was a game too many for the Warriors after that brave win last week. Yeah, the the Panthers have already started to perfect the um, the six again rule uh, in terms of the giving away ruck infringements on tackles. You're on one. And what a shock. That's not a benefit to the team receiving them. And on a couple of those, the, the, the Warriors drop the ball on like second tackle in their own end. So instead of dropping the ball over halfway, they're turning over in their own end. But at, at the Roosters, man, Matt Burton might be the best half of the club, hey? I don't want to overhype a young fella, but he's definitely better than Jerome Luai. And I thought he was quality in this game again. Are you are you meaning to tell me that a, a, a coach is taking advantage of a new rule? And yeah, has no, figured it out shock. within a week of the new role existing. <laughs> what a shock. I know, right? <laughs> and I mean, of course it was going to be fucking Penrith. Like, it, the the evil empire strikes again with their wily ways. Yeah, they, like, I mean, as you say, like, they, they it's just another another game where you kind of go, yeah, they were just, like, good. They, they just did things right and they didn't make mistakes. And it, the point that you make yeah, about Burton is interesting because... In really good form, like... Yeah, the the point about Burton, like, I don't think anybody really expected him to be fantastic, but I don't think he's been fantastic. He's just been like, as he he's hitting his straps, um, and I think that it's good that they've kind of got a guy who, like, I don't rate. I I think Luai is is fine, but I like the fact that Burton plays relatively relatively controlled, but also with no fear. And I think that that's yeah. the good thing that you get out of having a kid who is so young. But I hate the saying of like he's got an old head on his shoulders, but he's sort of like he's already got a good footy brain. And I think that's really good if you pair him with somebody like Cleary going forward. Then you'll have two old heads, relatively old heads on young bodies, which if they both play with no fear and they make mistakes and like, it's still going to make for good footy, but at least if one of them kind of cuts loose, the other one can, you know, it's the same thing with like having a a midfielder who drops and a midfielder who goes in football. Like you can have one kind of cut loose and the other rein it, rein it in and just do the simple things and kick the corners and stuff like that. I think, I don't think that they're going to win the comp, but like they'll play some really good footy going forward, which is, which is good for their fans. Yeah. But the Warriors. Obviously some guys, (laughs) <laughs> well, some guys at the at the Panthers playing really good football, like James Fisher Harris is having a really good year again. Carousel is always a good signing, all thought, but I'm really impressed by Stephen Crichton as well. But the Warriors side, yeah, I thought this was going to happen in about two weeks, but it happened already. But at least they've got like one thing they're getting so far out of this year is like guys like Eli Katoa. He might not have got a shot at this club a couple of years ago as they kept importing players and not playing their own youth, you know. Yeah. And, and, and he looks like a real a real gem. He looks like you know him. What did I say? Him, Matt Burton, Bradman Best, probably the most impressive rookie so far this year for mine. And yeah, um, yeah I thought he had a good game. Uh, Tanua Brown also pretty handy, but there was um, not much to ride home for them in this game. Oh yeah, Toe Harris also balled out again. Yeah, Tohu Harris with like two hundred and thirty meters. Okay, mm. cool. He made like a third of his team's run meters. Good for you. And and old man Blake Green's hit that wall, hey. I mean, he again, he's pretty damn old. What is he, 35, you don't 35 re- this year? Don't, you don't realise it, hey, because he was yeah, quite a late bloomer. He's but, an 86 yeah. baby, so he's 35 this year. Uh, yeah, 34. 
Yeah, but I don't know if you can play Nick Arima and Harris Aveda as the halves. I mean, they can try. It'll be fun. So let's let's see that in a few weeks. Why not? My my why opinion not? is with this Warriors team, why the fuck not? Just do it. Like, have fun. Make footy fun. Yeah. You know? Um, you're, only, you're stuck over here. You may as well make the most of it. You know what's not fun? Losing in Melbourne for the 73rd time in a row. Fucking. <laughs> I know it. Mate, I know um, it. it. This team Melbourne could just be called Gets Beat by Melbourne eight. Weekly. Hold. Hold the fucking ball. What would you say is worse? Not holding the ball or uh, Johnson's attempt to catch the bobbling ball? Well, that was, I mean, well, that <laughs> was an example of not holding the ball. So, well, I mean, you can't hold the ball if you don't touch it. It doesn't count. That was embarrassing, man. <laughs> and I'm sorry. Um, Dane Gagai, one-on-one against Cam Smith. In the corner, and you don't score, like, mate. I mean, he's I mean, what are you doing? I mean, I was, I was, I was with Campo at the pub on Sunday, and his exact words were, "You're one on one with Methuselah in the corner, and you don't get it done." And I'm like, "Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's just pathetic. Oh, I, I just don't understand why that guy is so bad at club footy. Uh, I, I just don't get it at all. Uh, and that fucking prick, Cameron Munster, he's the best player on the field every single time. South play the Storm every single time, and this was not an exception." There's like 43 times in this game where the commentator's like, oh, where did Munster come from to make that cover tackle? See, uh, just just piss off. Fucking Melbourne. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, if it makes you feel any better, I've felt this way for about 20 years about Melbourne. And yeah. My, my, like, my team, my team. <laughs> I know, I know, you're, I know that most teams have terrible records against some teams and in some venues, but Melbourne, Melbourne's win-loss record against Souths is the single best of any team in the, any two teams in the NRL. And obviously, South's win percentage in Melbourne of zero percent is the worst percentage of any team at any in any location. It just seems like it's never ever going to happen. Like they should have won this game. I feel like if Cody Walker played, they might have won this game. Young Troy Dargan didn't play particularly well. I thought Adam Reynolds was a lot better than he was last week, though. And I thought, I, I just, I mean, I, it was the most errors any team's made this year. I can't remember off the top of my head how many it was. I think it was like nineteen or something. It was a shitload. And that, but it, the frustrating part was. They were perfect in, uh, in completions for the first twenty something minutes of this game, and then after that, it w- they they completed at like fifty percent for the remaining hour. So, just a really frustrating watch. And like, I mean, the the fact that Josh Adokar was literally dying on the field and still managed to score a try just really just really emphasizes just how much this team has the wood over us. What was the yeah, story I mean, with Adokar's? What was the story with Adokar's got, injury? Because I tuned in a little. T- I tuned in a he little. He got late rocked in the ribs, and it. And it looked like he was clearly in pain. Like he was, he was. They kept kicking to him, and if he if he had time, he would he would pass back to Pappenhausen instead of returning it himself. He was very much not getting involved in the play at all. I obviously got probably got a shot of cortisone or something at halftime, and was a little bit better. But he still looked very uncomfortable out there for basically the entire game. But of course, pops up to score a try because because of fucking of course he does. But yeah, um, yeah, it, it's I don't know how much you can read into a game like this. This is just what happens when Souths play Melbourne. But Souths do stupid things. Everything goes right for the Storm and South lose. Yeah, well, the Titans have more wins against the Bronco. Sorry, against the Storm than the Broncos do at Suncorp in the last eleven years. What was that sorry? Won. The Titans have more wins against the Storm at Suncorp than the Broncos do in the last eleven years. Yeah, so you're not the only one. Hey, you've beaten uh, them at some point though. Again, zero percent mutual. Zero. Yeah, yeah. They have a losing record against one team, and it's the bloody Bulldogs. They're, they're, they're one game behind them on head-to-head, and they'll, they'll catch them, uh, obviously, in the next year or two. But the Storm, as you said, in this game down there, like the, the, the Ken, Ken Smith thing is that like, we all know Ken Smith's the GOAT, 
but he's like 50 years old and he's cover defending on a winger who's like four times as athletic as he is in the corner. And Gagai, like, instead of doing absolutely anything, just walks into Ken Smith and that's it. Doesn't doesn't even try to defend him, doesn't dive for the corner, doesn't reach out, just thinks he'll like just walk over Cam and it, it did not happen. It was embarrassing. I, I'm hoping that this week will be better. I mean, well, for starters, they're not playing the Roosters or the Storm, but also, more importantly, Cody Walker and James Roberts will play. I haven't looked at the team list, actually. Is James Roberts going to play? Yeah, he is. James Roberts is named, and yeah. Cam Murray retains the middle. Ethan Lowe's named to start, and the edge is expected. Cody Walker's back. It's, it know, is the, the best 17 you can name. Yeah, you know who's not been bad for us? But I'll let you... I'll, I'll wait for your opinion, because you, you've disliked him for a while. Your boy, Jaden Sewer, has been, been all right the last couple of weeks. Oh, he has. He has been okay, and that, and perfectly fine with that. Happy for him to be okay down there. He has been. He has been pretty good the last few weeks. Yeah, um, and I thought Tom Amone was was decent as well, but not a lot to. He's really dumb. What was a dumb thing he did? I forget. I remember. Oh, he really he got dumb. caught. He got caught napping for that long line break, which ended with the which yeah. which ended with the um. He he the, got caught like trying something. trying to get into into a biff with Vunavali when he got up and played the ball. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then Vunavalo like, scores in the corner, like the uh, consummate dunker on people that he is. He really I'm all is. here for, by the way. I'm all about Brandon Smith starting a game at prop, and I'm all about Cam Munster like finally learned how to pass, and it was still the worst pass ever, and they still scored. that When he made that line break, he threw it backwards, loopy, like 10 metres. <laughs> yeah, great. <laughs> Fantastic. And, like, and then that's the thing, right? Like Jerome Hughes should not have kicked that ball. It was the wrong decision, and it worked, still worked out in a try because, of course, it did. Um but they'll, they'll get the Titans this week, and I'll, I'll, at least we can't, won't have the humiliation of being the first team to give them a win. Mm, very true. Yep. Uh, next up, we had um, the first game I watched at a venue in two months. Uh, it was uh, Parramatta 19, Manly Seagulls 16. And you can legitimately say that Manly were robbed in this game. What What was your... How, how did you feel about being back at the footy, though, first of all? All right, well... This wasn't really like a footy night. I went out with I went out with Charlie and a couple other people to like this Mexican place, but they had a massive screen with the footy on, so I was just mm. having a few margaritas and watching the boys chuck the steeding around. So oh, hadn't well, planned on it. Hadn't planned on it. Was planning on maybe watching it on my phone, but it was on. So great, great to see. Um, so that part was nice. Uh, vegan tacos also quite good. Um, False, incorrect, not allowed. <laughs> first of all, first of all, you can get like most Mexican food can be vegan anyway like it's like a lot of it is just like beans and rice and avocado and and other things that are not animal products so first of all yes they were good and second mm. of all footy was all this game was also quite good um but yeah this is a rare occasion where you can say one team was 100 percent dudded because it would have been the last play of the game had the tribe been given yeah and yeah what although i mean i i just don't know i i, I can, what what is the for, for for people that might not understand Mitchell? What what is the what is the reason that people don't like? What is the reason that we're not allowed to rule on forward passes initially? Okay, so they did do this in two thousand and one. We did have a, a a rule that you could review forward passes, but as we do do, instead of just reviewing the forward pass, like say we sent up this this one pass at end end of a play to be reviewed, they're reviewing a lot of passes. And no one wants to see the seven passes leading up to a trial being scored reviewed. Like, no one's, no one's here for that. It gets mm-hmm. overdone. But the, the, the reason why is, again, we all know the physics of it. And the, but the reason why we can't do a, a, a real technology is because of expenditure. I mean, everything can be done for a certain amount of money. But to do something like a Hawkeye, you know, Wimbledon, for example, can only afford Hawkeye on a couple of courts. If Wimbledon can't afford it on every court, 
how could you how could you think the NRL could afford it on a rugby league field across the entire country decentralized? Yeah. It costs millions and squillions of dollars to have that many cameras in a venue. And yeah. by the way, people don't people don't seem to realize this, but Hawkeye has a four millimeter margin of error and it's not good enough for those sports. And like people accept it in those sports, that's with a small ball that like you can literally see where it hits the ground in tennis and it still has a margin of error. Yeah. yeah. Wait till you in the air physics in rugby league with a rugby league ball, how hard and that'll be. It won't, it won't be perfect. It's one of those things where it just takes the first time it, it, it were to get something wrong, the crisis merchants would be out in force. Well, nobody, nobody who supports rugby league actually wants every forward pass to be called because if they were called, the game would stop every 10 to 12 tackles. Yeah. There's a forward pass almost yeah. every set. Just, you know, this one is it was bizarre experience though because with this one obviously you had the perfect angle from Fox Air, but also with the crowd noise being pumped over it, I had no idea the call happened. Yeah, because like, I didn't hear the. Well, scored, I was yeah, like, I was watching without sound, so I also didn't know. I was like, oh, my nan's going to be sad, and then suddenly I saw handsome handsome Ruben Garrick looking quite flummoxed, and I thought, oh, they called that forward. That's weird. I didn't think that was forward. Um, it was a, it was a terrible call. It really was, but they just. Forward pass. I, I want. I want them to rule on key forward passes. So we all want that, and it's hard to sit there and cop this stuff. And there's a captain's challenge to everything but this. But it's just the way it is. Is that if we allow them to rule on one forward pass, there'll be more people calling for more forward passes, and there's just, there's no end to that limit until there's a, a you know one day in this world where the technology is piss cheap and it's yeah. not right now. It, it, as you say, it is like the thin end of the wedge because like even even with the technology for, for just offsides in the A-League. Like, I mean, and that was not installing any new cameras. That was That's at least half a million dollars a season. And that's just a, like that's just software, effectively. So, like, if you're talking about outfitting a Fox Air-style camera at every ground in the country, like, that's millions and millions of dollars. And the broadcasters in the league just aren't going to stump up for it. And, again, as you say, like, I was listening to Grandstand on uh after this game and and luke lewis was talking about that they do like when he was at the sharks they would do uh passing drills where you would have to stand exactly in a line with each other and pass without turning your shoulders and it's impossible to throw the ball backwards without turning your body just that's just the way that the game works like sometimes the ball will float back like start out backwards out of the hand and float forwards because you're running in a line like you have to pass the ball forward because of inertia it's simple physics so as you say, like you just you just can't like you can't do it. Sometimes you got to cop the call. I, I'm kind of glad that the call was made by the touchy, like live, uh, just because you know there's the whole thing about touchies not being real officials. Um, so I'm kind of glad that the call was made. But at the same time, like it it was you know it was the wrong call. It it was weird having the head of the refs come out and be like, oh well, we looked at the footage afterwards and we could see that it was wrong which kind of leads into the point that you were making, Mitch, about like that, you know, there's obviously video technology available, but, you know, you just got to cop it, really. I mean, it was all in all, though, it was a great game. Like, it just, it's a shame that it took away from the spectacle of the game being as good and that we're yeah. sat talking about officials. And, and what would have been a truly remarkable comeback, given that they were, you know, 18 nil down. Yeah. Yeah, they can see exactly. the three tries in 10 minutes too, and I thought that was game there, like, Parramatta were no doubt the better side, and they're more physical, and they and they played at the line far more than 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 Manly did. Manly were making less meters off their sets, and they looked tired for most of the fixture. And Para kept their line speed turned up, something crazy. They really fit. Um, so Para did deserve this win. 
they definitely deserve to win. But, you know, as you know, Manly got robbed. But, you know, it's it's a tough thing for me to sit here as someone who's not a para believer and keep watching this shit because it's killing me. <laughs> they keep playing this damn it, well. It's so frustrating. Like, for so long, they were so close. And now, yeah. like, the, the, but they... They weren't, but people obviously because they're a big team, they were kind of like, "Oh, Parra are going to make Parra are going to do something in the finals this year." You know, the big club, they've got some good players, blah, blah blah. But like, they genuinely have really good players this year, and they're playing really good footy. And again, it's they a are. kind of thing where like Moses and uh, Brown, like they just again they just play with no fear, and it's so good yeah. to see Mitch Moses keeping his head in the game. And I know this sounds like High School Musical, but that that's one thing where you notice where earlier in his career, when he was much younger, players would just hold him down in the tackles. They would hit him late. They would do cheap shit and he would lose his mind. And now he's kind of evolved into more of a leader in that team. And he knows that they're just doing it to get under his skin. And if he doesn't let it get under his skin, then he can beat them, you know, on the park as well as off it. And that's, that, that comes obviously with time playing first grade and it come, pl- comes from being in a leadership position like that and being the lead half. But it's just really like I, I think he'll play. He'll potentially play State of Origin this year, which is completely bizarre to me. Like, yeah. what, 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 what? How did that happen? How did Mitch Moses, the king of the memes, turn into new, yeah. potentially New South Wales starting halfback? I mean, obviously, this game is a step beyond the sort of tomato cans they beat up on up until this point, um, mm. and, and it's obviously a great sign for them that that they have taken it to another, I guess, premiership contender. And they'll have a couple more tests coming up because uh, they've got an undefeated team in Penrith coming up next week. And then the week after that, they've got the defending premiers and then the other grand finals the week after that. So this, I think this next three weeks will tell us a lot about this Eels team. Yeah. And I'm, I'm loving Mike Sevo keeping up this form, but I'm going to hate when he goes to French rugby in two years. Yeah, it's going to suck. How about, how about the pass though as well? The like flick pass when there's eight people hanging off him. Man, I'm offended at how good this guy is. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, having good wingers sounds. Good. <laughs> I don't understand and, uh, the question. Manly, well, it, it was good of Manly. A good sign for Manly, by the way, to stay in a game like this. When guys, I thought Levi to Power DCE were pretty poor. I thought the Deboich brothers were average. It's a pretty good sign for them. They can stay in a game like this. I thought Dylan Walker was really good. Yep. Uh, yeah. Cowboys 16, Cronulla 26. Um, I guess a mild upset. I mean, we, we we thought the Cows would have a massive home field advantage against teams this year, given the travel restrictions and all the other conditions surrounding, you know, away teams going to that stadium this year. But yeah, Cronulla were, Cronulla were by far the better team and deserve the win. And, and not just that, like the point that you make about travel is one thing, but also they had the thing where six of their players failed their temperature checks before the match. So they go into the game not knowing if any of their players are actually going to be able to play and they come out and put in a performance, you know, a four-hour flight away from home. So, you know, good good on them. That, the, 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 Mitch, the Matt Moylan thing, like he comes back into first grade in one week and he gets a fever. Just, uh, <laughs> yeah. that, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Australia's Nathaniel Roach. It's such a beat-up. Yeah, like, of course, of course. the corking crisis. And then by the time they crossed the Moylan, he was already passed and fit to play. But um, one thing yeah. people like don't – so they get multiple checks to to pass their temperature checks. And if you didn't know this, ibuprofen drops your temperature about two degrees. No one's passed – no one's failing these tests. Like, it's, no one it is. does. Unless, and that's, unless you're that's like a million I, uh... degrees hot. <laughs> 
that's why they, if you have coronavirus, you're not meant to take ibuprofen because it pulls your temperature down. And having a fever is your body trying to kill the virus that's in your body. So you can't have a fever and therefore you can't like kill the virus through your own immune system. So as you say, like paracetamol drops your temperature. Is just you know have a few Panamax on the way up? Happy days. Also, you know, aches and pains. Someone missing a game with a fever is going to be pretty rare because of that. Because I know the first test is 15 minutes and you might not have kicked in by then, but you're not going to fail that second test after that, I don't think, doing yeah. my with my expert analysis. Yeah, I was going to say, Dr. Da- Doctors Dale and Doyle over here with their yeah, hot medical it. takes. <laughs> um, the Cowboys obviously still remain the Jason Talmololo boys. Like, he's out and they're out. But uh, it's good to see they've made some changes positively this week. Ben Hampton, Gorn, and Jake Graham. And yet... The hammer, hammer time it is. Uh, Sharkies, I can't stand that even when they win games, somehow Sean Johnson is shit. He gets blamed for stuff. It was like they won the game and the, the 15 minutes post-game was hammering Sean Johnson. It's like Sean Johnson is never going to be the guy Sean Johnson was. He's going through the be- the the Benji Marshall quandary right now. He's going through the Benji paradox. He's, under- he's starting to learn that, like, hey, I'm not faster, more agile than the guys around me anymore. I need to get better at other parts of this game. He's going through that now. And yeah, sure, he's not worth a million bucks. But I'm sick of after every single time he plays a game and he doesn't do something absolutely mind-blowing amazing is that the first thing post-game is about, oh, man, Sean Johnson's a bit of a waste of money, isn't he? It's like, yeah, we get it. It's The contract has sunk cost. He's still their best half. I mean, that that's the thing. It's 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 very it's a it's almost Ben Huntian the way Sean Johnson's game is analysed from that point of view, especially the fact that regardless of how much money he's being paid, as you said, he's still the best option they have. Does um, does Stacy does Stacy Jones hate uh, Sean Johnson? Like, is that the equivalent? <laughs> yeah, he must. But it's like I think this is their best spine. They've changed it this week, but I think Moylan in the six and uh, Will Kennedy in the one is their best spine now with Sean at the seven. But they'll bring in Chad Townsend who gets the Corey Norman treatment. Like he has no expectations of him, so it's fine. And Sean Johnson is supposed to apparently just, you know, gets three years younger and turn his hamstrings back that fifteen years and just start setting people all over the shop. Apparently, you know, it's mm. like no, he's going to have to develop to change his game, learn to change his game, and it's the NRL. You have to learn on the fly. Like, what are you going to do? What's the, what's the shark solution? Just drop him to no reserve grade now and hope he gets better and start running the ball again. It's not going to happen. No, it's not. Um, yeah, it's. it's... Yeah, I, I mean, I thought they were fine. I, I it, um, it, it, it's, it's a weird one. I mean, he, there are just certain players who can't escape criticism no matter what. He's one of them. They can't. They no won. I was what. just, what the hell's going on? And yeah, I thought just shout out Jesse Ramian's back home. He was cla- he was great in this game. And uh, Rono, Ronaldo, sorry, Rono, Ronaldo Mulatalo is growing on me. He's a, Got a bit of that Vunavalu to him that in terms of he's going to get slapped one day by someone. But um, I believe I believe Rono is what they call him down at at Northies or whatever it is because yeah, Ronaldo Rono. is too hard. <laughs> That's it. Uh, um, Raiders eighteen, Newcastle thirty four. Very much a statement win for the Knights. Bradman best scoring in the first minute and the last minute. And a bunch of tries for Edric Lee and the gang in between. Bradman best has a best best average than Bradman. He's a hundred percent. He's five from five. Look at that stats. Two stats. for two for Texoy as well. Well, not two for two. I mean, so undefeated Texoy. So we st- we stand Texoy. This is a Texoy podcast. Good it on is. him. Got came on the end. Iced the game with a clutch conversion. That's all we ask mm. for. That's all we ask for. 
Uh, but seriously, though, Newcastle were very, very impressive in this game. If anything, the scoreline flatters Canberra a little bit. I, I was um, going to say, and not just that, but Canberra were really poor for like 20 to 25 minutes. And this like, was... This was this was just, old mate. This was old mate. Rocks and diamonds, white in a nutshell, wasn't it? Yeah, which ninety five percent rocks. Yeah, mostly rocks. Least. Did have the one diamond moment with the try, but mostly rocks. Was completely yeah. at fault for two of the first three tries, but put a ball out in the full. Um, yeah, I mean, this is Jack White. I mean, some weeks he's going to be the best player on the field, and other weeks you're going to get performances like this. Yeah, I thought this, by the way, was the best sign for George Williams' long-term NRL future is that I thought he was good in this game. Again, he was under attack post-match. I don't know why. I thought he was outstanding. He kept stepping up the whole game. Right to the end, he tried to win this game. That was a great sign. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I thought the criticisms of him after that game were very off-base. Um, yeah, he, he certainly didn't shirk any responsibility. And he certainly, as you know, the, the, he had some very promising moments in, was a, in what was a well-beaten team. There's just, there's, there's... There was just so many positives on the Newcastle side, though. Like, I mean, you know, even your your man Andrew McCulloch came in, tackled his ass off. Like they had Kalen Ponga back and running wild. Edric Lee played really well again. They're looking good, the Knights. I'm glad that we pivoted when we did. Yeah, I mean, what a shock. Coaching makes a difference, but you can really see it in this team. Like, you've got, you know, Kalen Ponga playing like he did, as you mentioned, and you've got the the combined efforts of Adam O'Brien and David Ferner. You can see the Ferner effect on this attack. It's no longer just throw it at Kalen and hope things happen. This team plays quick, hey? Both sides of the ruck. Kalen's all over the field. They look magnificent with the ball in hand, and they get down the field fast, and they kept the Raiders in their end on many a set, but they get down the field fast, man. It's really impressive to watch. And then guys like, you know, Bradman Best, as you mentioned, Eddie Lee in career best form, but Bradman Best, you know, got an opportunity and probably at the right time, probably got lucky that he um, was a bit, he didn't really stay fit when Brownie was there, didn't get ruined. But, you know, he looks he looks really good and obviously everyone's pumped for him right now. But you're even getting good footy out of Herman Essiesi, who hasn't given them good footy for years. What a coaching job down there. And this is the same thing when we backed Dez when he went to Manly two years ago. The, almost the exact same roster came 15th under yeah. Trent Barrett. Oh, that, Coaching that is... screenshot blew my mind, hey? Like, that's such yeah. a... There was a perfect example of it. Um, speaking of Adam O'Brien, can we talk about podcast listener Swarzy's piss-take um, picture that he made? Um, well, he ruined it. He ruined his... Lo- the, the, ruined it Dale, have you seen this? This, so was the, this was the hang this on your wall? Yeah, so if anyone, I'm sure everyone who listens to this show knows the famous now Courier Mail cutout, whereas Anthony Seabold sitting there saying, This man will win a premiership, cut this out and stick it on the fridge to help you through the hard times. He's done this with Adam O'Brien after this win. Yeah, it was very good. As I, as I said to you, Blake, so I think I'm going to print one out and um, put it on the fridge in my flat and, and see what my, my non footy playing and loving flatmate says and be like, Why is there just a strange man on our fridge? I, I think you should do that, but never explain why. No, no. It's it's just like a postcard. I don't have to tell you the story. Just look at the but, pretty picture. But, I mean, this is great. for me. Big, big, big win for the team. Jinxes aren't real. And if you're superstitious and you're above the age of five, you're like a complete moron. So, I'm on board with it. Yeah. Tenth fate. I'm, I'm, I'm I'm like it. It, was, it was brazenly stupid, but I loved it. It's one of the dumbest things I've ever seen, but I'm all about it. That's our, that's our brand. If there's, if there's one thing that is our brand, it's silly, superfluous yeah. shit. Oh, yeah. um, by the way, Canberra just had to give up on this Bailey Simons and bullshit and just play Jordan Oh, my God. Curtis Scott yeah. sucks. Yeah. 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 Also true. Also yeah. Get them true. out of here. Get them both out of here. <laughs> yeah. I don't mind I don't mind Simonson, but I, f- 
Man, Curtis nah. Scott, he, he sucks a bag nah, of I dogs. don't mind him, Dale, but when you've got literally the best wing in the NRL just chilling <laughs> on the bench. Yeah, just hanging out yeah. on the bench. What, what the fuck? Having a, him having a laugh. I'm not, not convinced by Curtis Scott at this point. Uh, and yeah. It, I'm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. Probably the Lee Cousins playing Origin, mate. Edric Lee and Branko, it's happening. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Um, yep, Titans 28, West Tigers 23. What a game this turned out to be. And just when you think the West Tigers have have finally kicked the meme label, they pull this shit. I, I've got to say, like, uh, there was a, a lot of talk, obviously, previously about uh, Seabold's presser and about how he already had the answers kind of like the excuses ready to go I saw people kind of complaining about Maguire's post-match and I was like man he just absolutely gave him like an indirect spray like what more do you want they they turned up and they thought they'd won it's like don't don't you can't do that it's the NRL I know the Titans suck but like this is and I know this is their first win in a year like show them some respect they they played as if they'd yeah, won the game a big fan of um big fan of all the Math experts pulling out the rulers after the game to measure whether that kickoff had gone ten meters or not. Um, always a fan when they pull out those piss take sort of um, like crudely drawn lines to sort of prove a forward pass or whether a ball's gone far enough or things like that. I mean, I, I had nothing. I had no objections to it. I thought from that photo, it's pretty clear that that ball is basically hovering right above the forty meter line. So I didn't think there was much wrong with it. And plus, even if there was, there was centimeters in it and at that point they still have to go another 40 meters and score and you you, you should stop them if you're fair dinkum yeah and it's it, I, I mean it did highlight it, it is the most ridiculous one in rugby league that still remains that the defensive team or the receiving team there can't touch the ball until it goes 10 so the yeah. tigers kind of have to watch them compete for the ball uh which is great but but anyway like you know, that's what happened and that, that and then they got the ball back and they should have to go 40 meters and score they pulled out a whack try but this is like the Tigers fans. Every Tigers fan under the sun was telling us they were going to lose this game before. They were. They were. And, and it was there, you know, it was like they got down to 12 in their life. They're like, oh, see, they're not going to lose. And then it got to 12 all. And it was, oh, shit. Maybe they're right. And then again, the, the Tigers scored twice. You're like, oh, see, don't worry. They're, they're back. They're not going to lose like they used to lose these games. And they just found a new miraculous way to do it after kicking the game-sealing field goal <laughs> with three minutes to go. They find a way to do this. Incredible stuff. Even Keegan Hipgrave's thought, what are you doing? Yeah, well, what a shock. Much better in the middle, Keegan Hipgrave. What an absolute shock. They play yeah. the idiot on the edge again, ever. No, God, no. Um, they were a lot better uh, than they than they were last week. I mean, that's for sure. And whether, how much of that you can put down to the Titans, uh, the Tigers being the Tigers, I, I don't know. But, I mean, yeah, you, you're completely right. I mean, middle looked a lot stronger. I thought Fodawaka was excellent again. Aaron Clark was fine. He might be their best number nine now. Probably, like, yeah. why question it? If it works, who cares? Um, yeah, uh, pretty pretty deep. And is this Ash Taylor's best game in like two years? Yes, definitely agree with that. It's his best game in two years, and he had one of those trademark grubber kicks for a try set up here, and and you know that was that's peak Ash Taylor. And you had Moiki Fotoaka kill it again, but. It was one of those games that was heaps of banging tries at it, and you feel sorry for the Tigers losing like this, but I thought it was one of those games where it was like a genuine cracker. Like that yeah. Nofaluma try was great, and he's in career best form too. Well, that was, was game. That, was, that was a great moment at the pub. The boys were back. That Nofaluma try got the punters out of their seats, let me tell you. That was fantastic. And 
Yeah, it's probably the best game of the year so far. I think not that that was a particularly We're high here. bar. Particularly, I mean, I've forgotten everything about rugby league from before the lockdown. So maybe there was a good game in the first two weeks. I don't know, but this was certainly the best post lockdown game. I think. Yeah, we uh, we lost Dale for a moment. Oh, he's gone again. That's great. <laughs> Hopefully, the recording's fine. But anyway, we'll keep talking. Uh, and Harry Grant, by the way, again, exceptional player. Like it's almost immediately obvious when he's on the field that that how much more direct they are in the ruck and how much smoother they play. He's a fantastic player. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've just received a mention, by the way, the words boom rookie were used to describe Jason Saab in an Adrian Prezenko piece today. So I'm very pleased with that. And the final game of the round, Canterbury-Bankstown 22, St. George Illawarra 2. Um... Ah! <laughs> <laughs> it's the sound of me screaming into the eternal void that is watching the Dragons play. Yeah. Uh, the first hour, the first like half of this game was some of the worst rugby league I've ever seen. And then the second half, the Bulldogs were pretty good. So that's that's my take. Um, look, I know Nelson Mandela did 27 years on Robben Island, but he didn't have to watch this footy game. Wow. So who was a real winner there? No, but seriously, A, Mandela's a hero. And B, anybody who watched this whole game is a hero because it sucked. It sucked a lot. And yeah. I wish that I could have all the time back that I watched, that I put into watching this twice. No, because um, I hate myself, and and this wasn't worth it. I don't feel no. any better. You could probably read Mandela's entire autobiography, and however long that took you, it is probably say, been more. It, it probably, probably read more. His probably less, letters from prison hours, would be. I was going to say less hours than the last time the Dragons scored a try. It's weird that just changing the number on the back of Ben Hunt's shirt didn't magically fix everything. No, I know, right? And putting in a yeah. bloke who was making his starting debut at twenty five didn't automatically make the entire team better at rugby league. Shocking. No. Who could have seen this coming? And what a shock. Adam Klum wasn't actually the halfback still. Ben Hunt still was the halfback. Adam Klum was stuck to the left edge doing... Uh, ben Hunt did the majority of the kicking, had more touches. like, And even Tory Norman had more touches than him. It's like, oh, okay. Well, turns out jersey number didn't bloody matter in this setup. But I, I, mean, I, thought, I, I thought the Klum was fine. Mm. Like, wrong. Just fine. Just fine. Just fine. You know, like he was okay. He he kicked like four times. Cool, good, good. That was yep, good. That was about it. That's all I have to say about him. Like he was fine, defended relatively well. Um, you know, he was no worse than anybody else out there. I would like you both to say one nice thing about the Bulldogs before we go. Okay, um, DWZ belongs on the wing. It went really well. I love Will Hopwell mm-hmm. at fullback. I just don't know if for their long-term future, if that's worth it, if you get me, because you just feel like they'll yeah. do something else again. I don't know if they should just try Nick Meany there, but DWZ great at fullback. I'm sorry, on the wing. Um, they're better with Kieran Foran. <laughs> that's it. Yep, I agree with those. Uh, I thought that they did really well to shut down <clears throat> Sorry, they did really well to shut down what little decent kind of end of play um, opportunities the Dragons had, uh, end of set opportunities the Dragons had. And they defended their line relatively well when the Dragons got into their 20. Like, they, again, they they did the simple things right. And against this team, that's kind of all they had to do. <clears throat> yeah, I mean... I... Yeah, I, I, I just don't know where you guys go from here. I mean, we don't need to rehash it all. We talk about it, the we're, go, we're going into we're going to Perth at this point, and hey. it will be better than than the footy that we're playing at the moment. 
yeah. <clears throat> I did a I did a, a deep dive on this on this game as I mentioned, and it it kind of the, the dragon scored after what like six minutes kicking conversion after six minutes. I even shorter than that. Sorry, three minutes. And from then, like that, they could still be playing, and the dragons wouldn't have scored. And it's Tuesday night. Um, we are letting you out look, you know, look up the kimono a little bit here. But mm-hmm. like I, I tabulated all of the the end of set results, and for the entire first half, all all of the end of sets were either errors or just long bombs from. Uh, outside from at least outside, I think they kicked from inside the forty once. Wow! Um, and it was a grubber, and there was like Hopwadi just fielded it on the on the uh, on the try line and got away with it. But like, yeah, it was it was basically like that NFL game, the screenshot with the Bears when they had yeah every, yeah every possession was a punt basically. Yeah. Um. The the thing that kind of summed the game up for me was. Two of the last, two of the last kicks in a, well, one of the last kicks in either half. There was a kick when Luke is, uh, it's a fifth tackle. There's ten seconds to play in the first half, and from forty meters out, he just kicks, he just grubbers the ball into the in goal and dead in goal. And then, uh, with about a minute and a half to play, Norma decides to go right uh, on the at the end of set for what's well, the fourth tackle, and he just grubbers it dead in goal as well. Like they just could not do anything with the pill when they got into the red zone. They were just, like, abhorrent. That I must say, though, I I really thought that Pereira was going to score in the corner. It was really unlucky yeah. to be adjudged no it try. Close. It was real close. But, it, you know, put the ball on the line. It's, yeah. it's no I, try. Yeah, unfortunate. Uh, and unfortunately for you, listener, uh, we've come to the end of another episode of NRL Boom Rookies. Um, mm, okay. And we are very much hoping to get back into the swing of. I uh, thank you all for bearing with us for starters during this during these difficult past few weeks and months. But we're really, really hoping to get back in the proper swing of what we were doing pre-lockdown in the next week or so. So yeah, um, agreed. Stay tuned for that. Um, say goodbye, Mitchell. Hey, well, uh, two things before we go. First thing, going to thank the Patreons, the patrons over on Patreon, and we're going to thank specifically the ones who are in the Boom Rookie or the Can't Give It Away tier. So. Alex Sergicomi, Bert Andrews, Chris Avenel, Dan Cullinane, Dave, D. Fisher, Jace G, Jack Snape, Jason, Carlo Tyson, Maddie McPee, Michael Murray, Roxanne Clark, Scott Finlayson, Simo Ali, Ty, Thor Laycock, Tom Hardy, Warwick Ahern, and Wayne Ritchie. If you want to get behind the boys, patreon.com forward to NL Boom Rookies. And the second thing I want to touch on is we're going to end the program today with a monologue taken from Q&A, borrowed from Q&A. Uh, from our good, our good friend over there, Main Wyatt, who did a uh, monologue from his play, one-man play, I believe, City of Gold. Or God, I hope I haven't bottled that. But anyway, it's obviously about his experience as a uh, Indigenous man in Australia, and I just thought it was something worth listening to at, at this time. So, yeah, City of Gold is that uh, play. Yep. All right. Well said. Uh, so, say goodbye, Mitchell. Goodbye, Mitchell. Say goodbye, Dale. Ta-ta! And it's goodbye from me. I'm always going to be your black friend, aren't I? That's all anybody ever sees. I'm never just an actor. I'm always an Indigenous actor. Hey, I love repping. 
But I don't hear old Joe Bloggs over here being called white Anglo-Saxon actor bloody blah. I'm always in the black show, the black play. I'm always the angry one, the tracker, the drinker, the thief. But sometimes I just want to be seen for my talent, not my skin colour, not my race. I hate being a token, a box to tick, part of some diversity angle. Oh, what are you whinging for? You're not a real one anyway. You're only part. Well, what part then? My foot? My arm? My leg? You're either black or you're not. You want to do a DNA test? Come suck my blood. How are we to move forward if we dwell on the past? That's your privilege. You get to ask that question. Ours is we can dance and we're good at sport. You go to weddings, we go to funerals. No, 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 you're not your ancestors. It's not your fault you have white skin, but you do benefit from it. You can be okay. I have to be exceptional. I mess up, I'm done. There's no path back for me. There's no road to redemption. Being black and successful comes at a cost. You take a hit whether you like it or not. Because you want your blacks quiet and humble. You can't stand up, you have to sit down. Ask the brother boy Adam Goods. A kid says some racist shit, not ignorant, racist. Corner black fella and ape, come on man, we was flora and fauna before 1967. No, actually, we didn't even exist at all. But he got it, this was a kid. This was a learning moment, he taught that kid a lesson. But did they like that? A black man standing up for himself? Nah, they didn't like that. You shut up boy, you stay in your lane, anytime you touch a ball, we're gonna boo your ass. So he showed him a scary black, throwing imaginary spears and shit. And did they like that? Oh, no, no, no. They didn't like that. Every arena, every stadium, they booed him. It's because the way the flog plays football. Bullshit. No one booed him the way they booed him until he stood up and said something about race. The second he stood up, everybody came out of the woodworks to give him shit. And what, he's supposed to sit there and take it? Well, I'll tell you right now, Adam Goods has taken it. His whole life he's taken it. I've taken it. No matter what, no matter how big, how small, I'll get some racist shit on a weekly basis and I'll take it. You know, it used to be that in-your-face, your boong, your black dog coon kind of shit. Gonna chase it down the ditch with my baseball bat, skinhead shit, when I was 14 years old. But nah, we come forward, we progressive, we're gonna give you that small, subtle shit. The shit that's always been there, but it's not that obvious in-your-face shit. It's that, oh, no, we can't be seen to be racist kind of shit. Security guard, following me around the store, asking to search my bag. They're walking up to the counter first and being served second or third or last kind of shit. They're hailing down a cab and watching it slow down to look at my face and then drive off. More than once, more than twice, more than once, twice on any one occasion. Yeah, that shit, I'll get weekly. Sometimes I'll get days in a row if I'm really lucky. And that's the kind of shit that I'm letting them think they're getting away with, because to be honest, I can't be bothered. I can't be bothered teaching their ignorant asses on a daily basis. I don't have the energy or the enthusiasm. It's exhausting and I like living my life. But then on occasion, when you caught me on a bad day where I don't feel like taking it, I'll give you that angry black you've been asking for and I'll tear you in, you asshole. Not because of that one time, because of my whole life. At least Adam danced and they still pissed and moaned. But it's not about that one time, it's about all those times. And seeing us as animals and not as people, that shit needs to stop. Black deaths in custody, that shit needs to stop. I don't want to be what you want me to be. I want to be what I want to be. Never trade your authenticity for approval. Be crazy, take a risk, be different, offend your family, call them out. Silence is violence. Complacency is complacency. I don't want to be quiet. I don't want to be humble. I don't want to sit down.